And now your host. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross, and I want to thank you again for making our show one of the most listened to shows on 620 AM and 1640 AM, and now through podcasts around the world like iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Spotify. It's because of you that inspires us to make Cindy's Celebrity Corner your entertainment spot. We have a fun-filled show tonight, and we have our first show featuring an international guest calling in from Israel. So welcome into my corner. At Cindy's Celebrity Corner, we like to talk about headliners and trendsetters, entertainment and trends. And we also have to talk about some serious issues. Serious issues we could all agree upon. As we are listening to this, our world is full of anger and frustration. And we are in the midst of worrying about violence and riots. Will we be able to go out on the street safely in broad daylight? Will we be able to go to supermarkets without having eggs thrown at us? Will our businesses be destroyed? Can we walk to our car safely and to our shuls, churches, and schools? People, we are a good people. I'm saying that again. We are a good people overall. Most of us work hard, pay our taxes, are loyal to our family and friends, and hope for better lives for our children and grandchildren. That is everyone's dream, and that has basically been the dream of everyone throughout history. Like a bunch of grapes, there are always a few sour ones. And why are we letting a few sour grapes destroy the whole bunch? Violence and riots are not an answer. It never has been. Also, safety and violence and following the law is a nonpartisan issue that needs bipartisan support. So why are we looking to fight with one another? Why is one group looking to attack another group? Why has discrimination become such a big part of our world? Today, as we are recovering from COVID and many of us are getting vaccinated and looking forward to a bright future, we should be excited and happy, not embracing hate and violence. This is not a discussion for one minute, one hour, one party, one state. This is a discussion that needs to start among us all. We also need to ask this question. The people that are putting themselves in the forefront of news, why are they all putting themselves in a risky situation questioning uh, their authority? You know, questioning authority is never good. It's never good when a student does it to a teacher or a principal. 
it's never good when somebody questions police in a very violent, destructive way. There is a common thread, and it's not someone's color of skin, but there seems to be a common thread of people getting involved on the wrong side of the law. And that is where our discussion should begin. People from all sides do not want to end the police or defund the police. They want protection. Even the people that are calling for defund the police use the police for their security and build walls and fences around their homes. So the answer is, how do we stop people from putting themselves into situations where they question authority rudely and disrespectfully? I don't have the answer, but I'm willing to start a discussion. You know what I'm finding out through all this? People are apathetic. In 2021, there are so many local and statewide elections throughout the country, and people just don't care. We talk about 2022. We talk about 2024. But do you know who is in charge of your local police and your local schools and your local budgets that your tax dollars are going to? It's you and your local officials. Learn more about who is running in your local town and get involved. Start a discussion with people on the other side. You'll find out you have more to agree on than disagree. And you'll find out that peace wins over violence and riots. And that's my open. Tell me what you think. You can write to me directly through my website and through my Instagram and Facebook accounts. We have a huge show tonight. We have three big guests and a special PSA about Earth Day on tips we can actually benefit from every day. So stay tuned. And coming up after the commercial, from Schitzel and Eretz Yisrael, actor Sarah Peterman. Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. Just ask Joseph M. from Brooklyn. Remax IQ made it easy. No for sale sign. I had offers in days. I saved $10,000 in commission and I was in contract fast. If you're thinking of selling, Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. To learn more, call 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit www.remaxiq.com slash disclaimer. Welcome back to Cindy Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross, and I am so happy and excited with our very first guest tonight, calling us from Eretz Yisrael. Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv. Yeah. Darrell Peterman, better known to all of you as 
Carrier's V. Well, yeah, number one show around the world right now, according to uh, many of the uh, media outlets. And welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you. And I must tell you, a lot of people have either watched season three or are watching it right now. And by far, you had the best line of the entire season, <laughs> which was, tell everybody. I don't want to do spoilers for the world, for those who didn't watch yet the whole season, but... Uh, he doesn't uh, give away the line. Yeah, it's about, he's it's the about man of the family. The king of the family, the, the ruler of the family, that in the end, his wife's telling him what to do, but he lets her think. She lets him think he's the king. Um, and you are really the co- uh, comedian of the show. And yeah. you, are, you have such a new following. You really sh- blossomed in the third season. I guess the first thing we're going to ask you, everybody wants to know, is there going to be a fourth season? I don't know if anybody knows yet if it's going to be a fourth season because we are also waiting to hear about it. I ho- like all the fans, I, ho- I hope there will be another season of Cicel. It's a huge success. Uh, those days are crazy. We get messages and and love from all around the world it's simply amazing from places you wouldn't believe there Jewish people over there like all kinds of remote places and it's amazing that Netflix uh, helped bring the this family this show to so many lives to so many people well one thing about the um, Israeli entertainment industry is that uh, thanks to places like Netflix I mean we've always known, within the Jewish circles about the success of like Tel Aviv um, Film Festival and uh, so many independent films that come into the Academy for consideration for Oscars. But now there's a whole new audience of non-Jews, which is such a big theme of my show. You don't have to be Jewish to enjoy Cindy's Celebrity Corner and you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy shows like Schitzel. Oh. So... Uh, <laughs> Just like in Israel. There's a cat walking through the frame. <laughs> so anyway, um, you are really one of the best well-known actors in Israel. You have quite a resume. Share yeah. with the audience some of the other shows they could find you in. Um, basically, I was an actor until eight years ago when I decided that I want to write and produce also. So since then, uh, I act in, in like TV movie and TV series and also write and create the other TV series. Uh, the last one was uh, aired uh, a month ago uh, named Who Died? It's a dr- dramedy uh, about a young, two young uh, um, cancer patients who meet in an oncology ward. It's, a co- it's like a com- romantic comedy on an oncology ward. It's called Who Died? It's aired in the same spot as Stiesel in the Yes Drama. Uh, it's in the Israeli HBO, let's say, uh, yes. Um, and that's it. I act, I write, I direct, uh, I try to do everything and enjoy life. Yes, you do behind the scenes as well. And maybe that comes so, you know, it comes across in your acting because you understand each aspect of creating. And it's really good. One thing that is coming out of uh, Schitzel is the fact that People are learning that religious Jews 
are very positive and are very loyal and have very loving relationships among their families and among their mates. It has become a very big topic. Um, and that's something really nice because there is this false you know, idea that religious women and religious men leave separate lives when they're very much apart. And your relationship with your TV wife reflects that really well. Um, tell us a little bit about your personal life because you really have a very exciting Instagram with your family. Yeah, uh, uh, I think that the family is above all. all. Like the family is, I really think this is the most important aspect and part of the life. You get, you can have a great career and you can get have money and fame and power, but if your family or life are not good, it will affect every aspect of your life. Uh, I think. I'm secular, like I live a secular life. Uh, uh, in the first season, eight years ago, when we, after uh, they casted the, the cast, they took us to do some, I don't know, investigation and how to, how the, the Orthodox life is. And I think it was the first time, and I spent a, a Shabbat in Nebra. And it was the first time for me as a secular man, uh, to to see a real Orthodox family, with that, not through the media and not through blogs, uh, like see it in my own eyes and try to understand them. And you understand they're not so different from you. They're not so different from yours. So you have your secular hobbies and they have their uh, Orthodox uh, life. But we're, like we're the same. I know it's a cliche. It's a, it's a big cliche, but... Until you understand it, like when you're eating a chicken for in, in, a, in a Shabbat dinner, and after that, I I have to tell you the whole aspect of looking on family, on look and looking on like my Orthodox friends here in Israel, it, it, it's changed through the series because you need to understand it's almost eight years ago, like when we started the show, it was in 2012. It's it's a lifetime. It's, it's the same age of my daughter. My daughter was born, listen, my wife was in the in ninth month pregnancy and she was home and I was on a costume uh, match. Like, uh, you know, you, when you choose your costume and I was in Brave in Neibrak and I was wearing Tzvi Arya's costume with all the capota and the vest and, and everything with a beard like this, and they're taking photos to see if the costume is right. And in the middle of that, I get a phone call. I have labors, <laughs> my, my, my first daughter. And I'm telling them, what now? But I'm, I have to go to the hospital. And I'm, I'm screaming at the at this tailor. Uh, my, my wife is having a baby, but everybody was <laughs> And they brought out and brought out a wine. <laughs> and I'm like an Orthodox Jew and I'm, Quickly take off the beer, take off everything, get into the taxi and take my wife to the afternoon. You could so, have gone with the beard. It would have been really even funny. Yeah, it was, who are you? You're the father. Um, Which really that, comes to the next question. The makeup, the costumes, the authenticity is so unique. If we went on the street today and passed any of you, we would not recognize any of you because a credit to the uh, creative team Eti Benun is she's the Eti Benun is she's the artist makeup she's she's an artist 
like uh, a lot of the reaction we get that I can believe that you are not orthodox is Tviaria uh, is totally orthodox, is Hasidic, is not a secular actor. We get it a lot, me, the other actors, and I think it's a lot from uh, the aspect of uh, makeup and costumes that was so precise and so accurate. And, and, it, and it's hard because there's people who only look at the show to find places that it's not accurate. Ah, his, uh, his shirt, his two buttons are not like all those small stuff that makes the... And to do it for three seasons over an eight-year span and keep it consistent is even harder. So, follow a vote to everybody on the team. Yeah, that's a, it's a great uh, makeup and uh, beauty and uh, dress, uh, dressing. It's an amazing thing, the best in Israel. And I, I really think that we need to also add it that each one of us had our own rabbi, like producing rabbi, like it's an orthodox guy that teached us, that walked us through the, the filming and told us how to kiss correctly the mezuzah, how to turn a page. There's all kinds of, you don't turn a page from here. There's a certain way when you close the, close the Bible, you need to kiss it. All kinds of gestures, all kinds of like very, very small stuff that I would never know if, like, if I needed to do it by myself. What's the next project you're working on? I have a, a nice uh, side character in a new Yes TV show called The Beauty Queen of uh, Jerusalem that's going to be aired in uh, two months. Um, I'm working on a new movie, a new feature movie that's going to be produced uh, on November. That's a lot on my plate right now. So, and I'm trying to, to stay positive. Well, we want <laughs> you to come to New York and Cindy Celebrity Corner is going to make sure we host you live so that you can meet so many of your fans, both Jewish and non-Jewish, because this show really actually relates. You brought up a lot of good points about the, the authenticity and the um, idea of family and celebrating together. That's something that, non-Jews relate to, and that's why they're embracing the show, especially this year when so many of us have gone through such hard times. So um, we hope I you're going to come. I, I, I think I want to say something. I think the charm of Stiefel is about its sincerity and it's how it opens up the family and everyone, if he's a Jew, if he's a Christian, if he's a Muslim, I don't know, he can relate to this. He can identify himself into it. And it will be a shock to many people that a lot of our fans or a lot of messages I get are, are talking about thousands of fans on Turkey, on Pakistan, or like places you say, wow, they watch a show about an Orthodox family. Yes, they are. So it's, it's, it's amazing. It's really, really amazing. Tell us about your off-screen relationships with some of your co-stars. I mean, you're co-starring with Michael Aloni in your new project. Tell Uh, us about some of your other, you know, friendships from the show. uh, Neta and I had a strong relationship and uh, Gitti, Neta Rifkin. And uh, Shulam is the best on, like, the best person to be with uh, behind the scenes, always, always telling jokes and always as it punchlines and is amazing. And I really think that really the cast of Stiesel is a, 
extremely warm and extremely joyful, and I've been by that uh, Shulem Dovalev and uh, Michael Kive, and Shira, the amazing Shira Haas that plays Ruhami in the show, and uh, Neta and Zohar Strauss who played Lippe. Like, Zohar Strauss who played Lippe, he wa- when I was in acting studio school, uh, like, uh, he was my teacher. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, he was my te- he was drama teacher uh, seven, 15, 16 years ago at, uh, <laughs> at, uh, at my drama school when I went to drama school. So, um, yeah, it's amazing. It's like, uh, it's eight years. Wow, it's eight years. It's a and then you time. go on for 120. We love it. And you are representing Israel and worldwide Jewry so well with all the good values that come out of it. And you know what? Everybody like feels something for this. It, you just want to cry. You want to laugh. You just feel warmth with it. And in these times, we need this. We need the feeling of joining together and um, kibitzing. And nobody kibitzes better than Aries V. And I'll tell you, the other big scene that was very funny, which I don't want to give away, is the relationship with your on-screen wife. Mm-hmm. You know which one of yeah. And uh, it's really, it's just touching the little things that that come out of the show and that acting from you and your co-stars share. It, it just makes it, we are so proud to be uh, Zionist and uh, supporters of the show. So how can my uh, followers uh, learn more about you, follow you? and get to know you better. Hi, I'm on Instagram, on Sarilikos, on Instagram, on Facebook also. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to share some stuff on our website as well. Sarah Peterman, Lehitraot. Lehitraot, Cindy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for uh, joining us from the land of milk and honey and our homeland. Homeland. Thank you, our friends in New York. Take care. Feel good. Bye-bye. Are you looking to update your home? Are you looking for new art? If you're like me, you took advantage of being home during COVID and remodeling and updating the looks on the walls in your home. I am telling you, don't look further. Go to Katya Levanovich's website and find many examples of her award-winning designs that are featured in many of today's homes. How many times have you asked yourself, where can I find the perfect white wine or a perfect rosé? Look no further than the Royal Wines Corporation, international distributors of kosher wines, and you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy them. Royal Wines is a distributor of the worldwide bestseller Bartonova Moscato and with nine generations of winemaking under their belt, the Herzog family presents Lineage, a line of high-quality wines grown under the sunshine of California. From Paso Robles to Clarksburg to the Lake County, the Herzog Lineage wines carry the uncompromising standards that are the pride of the Herzog family. From semi-dry rosé to crisp Sauvignon Blanc, from delicate Pinot Noir to the elegant Cabernet Sauvignon, Herzog Lineage wines are the benchmark of quality kosher California wine. 
on the Royal Wines website, there is a wine in every price range. You can find out more on the wines by going to their website, www.royalwines.com. That's www.royalwines.com. Here is your host. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Joining us now is a very familiar face, someone you've seen on the Food Network, Home and Family, and lately on a lot of news shows because he has been doing a campaign helping restaurant workers and owners for the past year who are struggling with COVID. Welcome, Andrew Gruel, to Cindy Celebrity Corner. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Most people have seen you recently talking about how restaurants have been affected and how much work you've done in helping uh, workers and owners get their businesses back to a somewhat normal track. Tell us how that's going. It's going well. Um, You know, a lot of it now that we're kind of getting through some of the issues, especially here in California, there's fractions of restaurants are now opened. So for us, it's actually trying to help restaurant owners, restaurant workers who are still in the hole from former debt, right? So when they originally were let go and then applied for unemployment benefits here in California, nothing was available because the entire system was in gridlock. And they started, what we were trying to do was to help people to avoid getting into this kind of debt trap um, by virtue of the fact that California wasn't helping them at all. So we're still kind of trying to bridge some of those gaps. Mm-hmm. Well, you are a very successful restaurant chain owner in California, Slapfish. Tell us how your restaurants plan on continuing to stay open. And now, you know, we were talking about having restaurants survive through COVID. We now have to talk about uh, survival through rioting and violence that could go through the summer. <sighs> Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, I don't want to project anything into the future, but in regards to the coronavirus side of it, um, the restaurant industry is certainly going to take a fundamentally different uh, uh, shape, look, face, if you will. I think we're going to see a lot more multi-unit change. I think we're going to see smaller operations popping up where maybe there were some larger full service operations. It's going to be interesting to see who takes a lot of this second generation real estate many restaurants are not going to be able to reopen it. It, it, it just gone too far into the darkness. And um, it's, it's way beyond that number that originally was projected. I mean, they said, you, you know, 20% of restaurants, frankly, I think it's upwards of 30% of restaurants. And then we're going to see that struggle trickle in through the next year. Consumer purchasing behavior is a bit fickle right now because, you know, there's stimulus money coming in. So people are going out and spending that money. But after that, if it dries up, you know, what's the long-term effect going to be? And then what are we going to see the behavior kind of distill into? And then, yeah, I mean, certain cities, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, it's unfortunate that businesses and restaurants and downtowns have to obviously now consider kind of a the idea of there being destruction or riots. Um, I don't, you know, once again, I don't want to kind of project into the future, but I think that there could be some issues with some some city restaurants. Well, we are an entertainment and trend show. So I want to ask you, what are some of the food trends that we can look forward to for the spring and the summer? 
uh, lighter, uh, heartier home style type ingredients. I think that we've we're done over intellectualizing the plate right now, but everybody is still obviously focused on the healthy things. You know, a lot of keto, a lot of plant based, a lot of vegetables. We're seeing vegetables make ways into menus and, you know, new clothing, if you will. I mean that metaphorically. Uh, so, you know, a celebration of spring style vegetables. I've seen a lot of ramps on menus or at least in media recently, you know, whether it's ramp purees, ramp sauces. Now, a ramp is a spring onion, effectively, that's, uh, you know, pretty popular this time of year, asparagus and the like. So coming up is one of my favorite days. And I know even though it started as a Mexican tradition, it's become an American tradition and a lot of restaurants take advantage. And I'm talking, of course, about Cinco de Mayo. So tell us some of the things your restaurants and, you know, you personally enjoy about uh, preparing food and serving food for the holiday. Yeah, I mean, Cinco de Mayo is a great day just because of the fact that um, you can taste a lot of different flavors and chilies, et cetera, and restaurants will focus on that. I mean, we're here in Southern California, so it's kind of inherent or it's part of the backbone of our menus to begin with. But I think in regards to kind of what people think of Cinco de Mayo, I think that a lot of those flavors have now become a lot more mainstream in our cooking with chilies and types of moles, et cetera, and different types of flavors coming from, um, you know, Mexico, Central America, Guatemala, uh, you know, we uh, here at Slotfish, of course, you know, I mean, we do some amazing different iterations on lobster tamales, deep fried, different takes on tamales in general. So we, we like to have fun. Do you see a lot, even in your um, you, um, restaurant, diners asking for more vegetarian, vegan uh, foods? Um, a lot more plant-based. And by that, I mean, you know, people are just trying to eat more vegetables. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's vegan. We have had some requests for a lot of the vegan plant-based seafood. Um, but, uh, and I've, and I've tried a lot of that. Good Catch is one brand. And I've, I've even worked with some of those brands before, not necessarily to try and, you know, um, cannibalize our own sales of seafood, but just for people who want to be able to perhaps have the protein with, and the flavor and the texture without the cholesterol, right? There's some cholesterol and shellfish. So if you have like these plant-based crab cakes, um, so we're seeing some of that, but I don't think that it's mainstream and I don't think that it's going to really penetrate into, into full-time menus at all. So some of you will say, some of us will say when they hear you, oh, you sound so familiar and your name is familiar. And yes, we've seen you on some channels. Tell us a little bit though about your personal life that you would like to share. We'd like to get to know you a little more. Awesome. I'm a father of four. Um, and, uh, you know, that's my whole entire life. <laughs> um, you know, my kids are my life. I, uh, whenever I'm not working, I'm, I'm with them. And when I'm working, I'm also with them. Right now we're homeschooling our four kids because uh, we didn't know what the effect of COVID was going to have. And then my wife was actually pregnant going into coronavirus. So that's the fourth. He's not, he's not being homeschooled. He's being fed. Um, but, uh, you know, kids come with me 24-7 to all the restaurants. We've got a couple different concepts. They get involved. And, uh, you know, outside of that, I'm, a, I'm an outdoorsy guy. I'm originally from Jersey. So uh, that's, the, uh, that's the most important piece. So let me ask you, you have kids who are involved in, and you spend a lot of time with. Are they also chefs? I, little chefs, you know, so they're 10, they're 10, six and uh, two and a half, almost three. But uh, they spend a lot of time in the kitchen. I mean, cutting, dicing, picking herbs. Um, they're with me like 12 hours a day in the kitchen straight sometimes. So their palates are more than chicken nuggets and French fries. Well, they still love chicken nuggets and French fries, but I can slip in some uh, 
I can definitely slip in some some adventurous foods. What about drinks? What are the drink trends you're seeing in your restaurant? What are people ordering? Um, you, you know, it's still it's just sticking to the kind of a lot of the simple fresh juices with alcohol. Um, it's it, you know, it's it's kind of that simple. I think that the bar chef is uh, a little bit overplayed now. You know, just this like over the top, overly thought out, um, you know, bar menu with like hamburgers inside uh, uh, Bloody Marys and, you know, garnishes up the wall. I think we're getting back to the simple bootleg style drinks and prohibition feel menu. Tell us a little bit about the work you've done the past year and helping people. You have a website. You, I think you work with um, other celebrity chefs in trying to bring uh, attention to the industry and the suffering that's been going on. Yeah. You know, and I've said this from the very beginning, I think the restaurant industry, unfortunately, has become a scapegoat. We've been vilified to some degree as these these areas of spread. When in reality, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, you can skew the data to prove any point that you want, but restaurants inherently are safe places to be. We're trained on safety and sanitation. We have our food handlers cards. But by virtue of the fact that a lot of our leaders want to, of course, be able to show their strength and that they're trying to do something, it's almost like we're the low-lying fruit. Well, we'll just shut down restaurants because they're public meeting spaces. But, you know, of course, they'll allow and exempt all these other industries that actually, frankly, could be even more dangerous or have less training when it comes to safety and sanitation. So as a result of that, we've seen these restaurants kind of get crushed in communities all throughout the United States. And naturally, you know, there's an ecosystem within the restaurant world that has a a wide ripple effect from not just the restaurant workers, front of the house, back of the house, but contractors, supply chain, brokers, consultants, you name it. And I think that that supply chain has been affected deeply. And all of those people have been without work and trying to figure out, you know, kind of what's their answer going to be and how they're going to bridge the gap to the point that we're getting to, hopefully, where things begin to open. So for us, it's been about being a spokespeople for the industry, reminding people that you can make your own decisions. And, you know, there's a level of personal responsibility to all of this. But, you know, the restaurant industry, which is traditionally a vehicle for young high school students and college students who are trying to bridge to the next stage in their career are um, not vulnerable to the virus the way a lot of the elderly are. And we're taking away the opportunity for those young people to continue working, engaging and learning about various facets of the business world. So you say that and I'm thinking what's about $15 a minimum wage and also the rising cost of food. How is that going to impact the return of restaurants? Yeah, well, I think that the, the, that's an important piece you make, you bring up with the inflationary effect of us printing and putting so much money into the market. And we're already seeing that. We're seeing that everybody is increasing costs around the board from supply chain to in-house. And then when we t- start to talk about increasing wages, for me, it's always been, we've always paid way above minimum wage in all of my restaurants. Um, I, I firmly believe that you get really good workers that way. You decrease turnover. Um, that's been the decision that we we make as an independent business. Now, I'm not saying that decision should be forced on everybody. I think the hard part when it comes to minimum wage is why 15, right? Why not 16? Why not 17? Why not 18? Um, I just don't know why we're drawing a specific line in the sand when we suddenly decide, okay, well, the government can determine what you pay your workers. I would really like to see the free market do that. But also we need to take into consideration that when we do increase minimum wage, you're not just increasing it on the lower end of the scale. You have to now 
effectively increase everything. It's like a high tide and all the boats have to increase. So you're increasing the salaries all the way at the top as well. So you're really, you really are kind of creating an inflationary effect because then you're going to increase prices as well, et cetera. What I've said is if the government really wants to help, well, then they can, they can force upon this kind of increase on the lower end when it comes to minimum wage to protect some of those workers who are not being paid properly, but then they can simultaneously cut payroll taxes. So it's a net zero for the businesses, right? The government yeah. takes the, uh, you know, takes the hit, not the small businesses. That's, that's a really cl- uh, creative idea you have. Uh, who are some of the chefs that have influenced you? Um, you know, chefs directly and indirectly. Of course, you know, I love Robert Irvine is a great chef. Uh, Marco Pierre White, I love Gordon Ramsay on the culinary side of things. Um, David Burke out of New York, New Jersey is a really great chef. Jacques Pepin. I grew up watching a lot of the old PBS shows. So Julia Child, Jacques Pepin, Yan Kang Cook, Ming Tsai. These are all the faces that I saw on kind of public access television that really got me to love the food itself. But when it comes to the business of running restaurants, Marcus Limonis is is, is one of my um, North Stars when it comes to the business of actually running restaurants. And he's from, from The Profit. He's the CEO of Camping World, et cetera. Uh, when are we going to see you next on a television show or, you know, uh, a Netflix kind of show, a reality show? Um, we're, we've got some things in the works right now. Um, you know, we're looking at doing something even with the family um, and just kind of highlighting how my, my wife is my right hand, right? Or I'm her right hand. Who knows? We're both involved in the business. We both run the business um, and run the family and the kids are involved in the business. So why not kind of try and highlight the way in which we've set up our own homeschool, if you will? That's really great. Please share with my audience, first of all, the website where they can contribute to the organization you set up for uh, restaurant workers. Um, so that's the number 86 and then the word struggle.com. So www.86struggle.com. That's for the website for the, our fund, which we call 86 Restaurant Struggle. 86 in the restaurant world is when you're out of something. So we want to get rid of struggle. Um, and then uh, my website is chefgruel.com. And then I'm on all the social media platforms at Chef Gruel or at Andrew Gruel. Andrew, thank you so much for joining Cindy's Celebrity Corner. You Please come back anytime with any new food trends and any more charitable work you do. We thank you. We recognize the work you do because what you do affects all of us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Take care. We'll be back shortly. Are you looking to update your branding and your business? Double G Designs works remotely with all businesses to create logos for stationery, business cards, social media posts, banners and posters, and all your needs for brand development. Gina Gelato has years of experience offering affordable logos to manufacturers, brand ambassadors, and party planners. She can be reached through her Instagram account and through her website, www.ginagelato.com. That is www.ginagelado.com. I use her for my business, and I can tell you I have gotten many compliments on my logo branding. That's ginagelato.com. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Joining us is no stranger to the show, Gabe Geller. He's here to discuss some uh, trends in some spirits. Welcome back to the show. 
Well, thank you, Cindy. It's a pleasure as always. So one of my favorite days of the year is coming back, and I said, I want you on to talk about it because there is nothing that makes me happier than some great avocado, lots of lime with jalapeno, and, of course, one of your tequilas. Oh, yeah. So Tell us about uh, tequilas, kosher tequilas, that we can use mainstream for Cinco de Mayo. All right. So tequila, of quality, uh, in general, is always kosher. If it is is, uh, 100% agave, uh, there is nothing nothing, uh, problematic with it from a a kosher uh, keeping perspective. Uh, With that being said, uh, we are very proud to uh, represent uh, and distribute uh, many great, uh, many great tequilas, uh, such as the Zarza that you just uh, showed us right now. Uh, that's the Zarza Reposado, which is the, the top of the line. Uh, really fantastic, uh, fantastic tequila. It has just launched. It's a, it's a new, it's a brand new company, uh, Zarza, which we own. Royal Wine owns uh, Zarza. Uh, and uh, the, we really strive to produce uh, the highest quality uh, tequila. Uh, we also have uh, other brands, such as Gava Tequila, which is a little bit more uh, budget-oriented, uh, great, uh, great for, uh, for cocktails, for margaritas. Uh, and uh, we, have, uh, we have also Los Generales, uh, which is also, uh, also a great line of, uh, of tequila. Uh, which is uh, perhaps a little bit more uh, budget friendly than uh, than Zarza, uh, but it is a, a very high quality as well. And we also represent many other brands: Skelly Tequila, uh, Tequila Honore, uh, which is uh, which is also fantastic. Uh, and uh, we're really really excited uh, uh, for uh, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, our uh, our sales force is of course on the field. Uh, promoting uh, promoting heavily uh, all of the great tequila that we have in our uh, portfolio. So I have to ask you something that people always ask. What's the difference between a Blanco tequila and what you might call a golden color, or how would you describe this tequila that's not Blanco? All right, so uh, there is a, a different... Uh, Blanco, if you like, uh, is a more of a pure, um, pure expression of, uh, of of the tequila, and perhaps, uh, but that's arguable, of course. Uh, perhaps a little less sophisticated and uh, less depth to it, uh, whereas uh, the aging, the, uh, the 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 process of producing the reposado tequila uh, adds complexity. Uh, and texture to the to the to the tequila. Of course, you will have you know the purists will go for the blanco as something that is really the the the, the pure and most uh, uh, essential natural expression of the agave. Uh, but if you are looking for something which is more elaborate and where it's actually going to make uh, a real difference uh, from one producer to to the next. Uh, then you're going to go for añejo or reposado, uh, and I know, of course, uh, I know, of course, a lot of people who like, you know, either expressions and people who go only for reposado or only for añejo, or only for blanco. 
And uh, I, I feel like, you know, uh, I, it's like with wine, you know. Um, so let me ask you a question. Minded. Try um, everything. So a lot of people don't drink tequila straight. They really drink it as a frozen drink, uh, whether or not it's a margarita or they add it in with juices. Does it make a difference what kind how you know the quality level when you're making oh, a frozen drink definitely uh, and it's the same you know it's the same with everything whether it's something that uh, that you eat something that you cook or something that you drink uh, even when it's a cocktail even when it's a dish that has a specific ingredient in it uh, the quality of the ingredients and the quality of the tequila in this case uh, in a cocktail is going to make a difference it's going to, to, to make a cocktail uh, more smooth or more harsh, depending on the type of, of tequila that you're going to that you're going to use. So it's very very important. Uh, I, for example, actually drink uh, tequila only in uh, in mixed drinks. I don't drink it uh, uh, straight, uh, and I do the same also with vodka. I don't drink vodka straight. I only drink uh, vodka in a, in a cocktail. And if the if the if the base drink in my cocktail is not going to be uh, of good quality and, uh, and and of a style I enjoy, I'm not going to enjoy the to enjoy the, the cocktail. Even if the rest of the ingredients, and even if the the the, the mixologist uh, who makes it is very talented, it's not going to work. It's extremely important to use uh, a good quality tequila if you want a good quality margarita. So I have to tell you, last night we almost had a fire in my house, which is unusual for me. But I was cooking with tequila. And not a lot of people cook with tequila, but it's really an addition, a a terrific, delicious addition to fishes especially. And if you want to use fresh vegetables, um, make a side of guacamole. Um, People don't talk about it enough, but the the tequilas that you uh, represent... I've actually used in recipes and they really are good. And um, I just wanted to point that out, that people can buy them and use them, match it to their drink in their food. It really enhances it and you don't even feel it. It, it, It's like a slow, you know, pace. It's just so relaxing. Another thing I wanted to ask you about was um, with tequila, you mentioned um, that you drink it straight. A lot of people now are drinking tequilas with a lot of their, I, I don't want to say diets, but in their lifestyles because of the, the difference of sugar levels and carb levels. Do you see that happening in your sales, that trend? Well, not really, actually. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, people who really appreciate good tequila or appreciate good wine, for example, uh, but are also cautious about their, uh, their diet, what they eat, what they drink, uh, their calories intake, etc., uh, will usually be mindful of uh, drinking in moderation according to what they can actually uh, they can actually you know drink or eat in terms of uh, of calories, in terms of carbs, sugar, etc. Uh, and I will always uh, advise to people who really are uh, on a diet or just you know watching uh, watching what they eat or drink to focus on quality. It's better to drink less, but better wine or better uh, tequila or vodka or anything else uh, than to compromise on the quality 
uh, and on the taste of something that you drink uh, for to, to to adjust to your uh, to to your diet. Drink uh, instead of having two margaritas or three margaritas, have one margarita, but make it the best uh, margarita margarita ever. Do you have a quick recipe for a Shabbos tequila drink if they don't want to drink it straight? Because you, obviously you can't make frozen on Shabbos. Yeah. Well, I don't have a recipe of my own. I will leave that to you. I think that... Uh, okay. We will put one up on the website. Mm-hmm. Speaking of websites, remind our listeners where they could purchase your tequilas, your extensive wine collections, and other spirits through Royal. So you can just look them up. We have uh, we have our products uh, all over at the uh, at the major uh, wine stores and liquor stores uh, across the country, and uh, even more so in the tri-state area. You can just uh, you can just Google it. Uh, if you need specific information, uh, you can uh, always contact us. There is contact information. There is information on our wines and spirits on our website, royalwine.com. Uh, and uh, there you will find a lot of information, uh, great resources. Uh, and if you need, uh, if you if you have any questions, you can always contact us either through the website. You can also contact us through Instagram or Facebook on the Royal Wine Corp uh, uh, pages. And uh, there will be someone who will uh, who will answer your questions or direct you uh, to the best person to answer your questions. Gabe Geller from Royal Wines. Thank you for joining Cindy's Corners, Cindy's Celebrity Corner. And I just want to tell everybody, the tequilas, you don't have to be kosher. You don't have to be Jewish to appreciate quality tequilas from Royal Wine. And even though it's Royal Wine, they really do have a wide range of spirits. So I'm really happy to share Royal Wine and Cinco de Mayo, two of my favorite things. Thank you so much, Cindy. I wish you a very happy Cinco de Mayo. Enjoy. Have some great, great cocktails. I hope to have them with you in person soon once we get out of this uh, COVID. Exactly. L'chaim, everyone. L'chaim. Hi, this is Esther Miller, founder of Mommy's on the Move and mom of eight. I'm now a monthly contributor on Cindy's Celebrity Corner, where we discuss business, women in business, and we give parenting tips and useful advice for raising kids during these difficult times. Listen to Cindy every Saturday at 9 p.m. on WSNR AM 620 and WJPR AM 1640. You can also listen anytime and anywhere on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and Jewish Broadcasts. See you soon. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. And as you know, every week, I always have a little recommendation in my personal corner of usually a trendy product or something worthwhile to watch uh, or read. But this week, because I am taping this during um, Earth Day and a lot of people are becoming uh, aware of Earth Day and uh, conservation, I decided to ask my friend, Miss Earth 2020, Lindsay Coffey, to join us. Lindsay, tell us a little bit how you became Miss Earth 2020. And thank Hi, you for thank joining. I'm sorry. Thank you for joining us. 
No worries. Thank you so much, Cindy. It's a pleasure to be here. So yes, I'm Lindsay Coffey. I'm Miss Earth 2020. And my overall goal is to change and encourage climate action through education and mindful behavior. So being a part of the Miss Earth organization, we've had the same mission, the same mission for 20 years, and that's environmental protection and climate action. And so for this month, um, Earth Month, the theme was Restore Our Earth. And I would love to share some quick and helpful tips on how we can all take part in restoring our earth. Please do. So firstly, say no to single-use plastics. So plastic is one of the greatest polluters, with 79% of plastic ending up in landfills and 12.7 million tons being tossed into our oceans. That waste will continue to build up and will accumulate further. So plastic isn't only an eyesore. It impacts the health of an entire ecosystem outside of humanity and within humanity. And so secondly, donate. This could be donating in any aspect. So donate your time to volunteer, donate your unused belongings to encourage reuse and give them a second life through uh, Goodwill or thrift stores. And if you have the funds, donate some money to reputable environmental organizations as only a small amount of federal budgets go into special interest groups. So they really count on their supporters to kind of fund their projects. And even if you can donate your time, be a part of that project. So- Oh, I was going to say, you are involved in an organization. Tell the audience about the organization you are involved with. Oh, absolutely. So I'm involved in multiple organizations. I'm a WWF ambassador. I'm a climate reality leader. Miss Earth organization has their own beauties for a cause where we do mission trips. We do tree planting. We raise awareness of the climate uh, crisis worldwide. I also raise awareness personally with the inequality with the climate crisis, as a lot of people don't think inequality and climate crisis are synonymous, but they are because the climate crisis affects gender, socioeconomic status, and geographical location. So there are a lot of aspects to the climate crisis that I'm taking on the responsibility of trying to advocate for. Tell us where we can find out more about you and your cause, and also some more Earth Day tips that. We, uh, it, you know, pre- conserving our earth and using logic is a nonpartisan issue that needs bipartisan support. So tell us a little bit how we can get involved. Absolutely. I agree with everything you said. Um, so really, I mean, change all starts with awareness. It's educating yourself, educating others, having mindful behavior, really knowing where you're getting your products, how you're disposing of your products. Knowledge is power. That's a, I mean, that's a famous. We quote. always say that here at Cindy Celebrity oh, Corner. I oh, use so it funny. almost every uh, show. Just tell us the website, please, because we are running out of time. And uh, I know so many people are going to want to reach out. Yeah. So if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram at Lindsay Marie Coffee or also on Facebook. Um, you can check out MissEarth.tv online. And if you'd like to collaborate or ask me for any questions about projects or how you can get involved further, please reach out. I would love to talk to you. And we would love to talk with you more. We will have you back because Earth Day is something that should be every day and it should not take a lot of effort on all of our parts. Thank you so much for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner. Welcome back to Cindy Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. And just like that, the hour flew by. I promised you great guest, great conversation, and lots of information to think about. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please let me know what you think. You can reach out to me through my website, Cindy's Corners, and email me through there. Or you can reach me 
and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Never miss an episode. Download it on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Podbean, Jewish Podcast, and you can also listen to us through the Talkline Radio Networks. Thank you for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner, where all our angles and points meet and where you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy the Celebrity Corner. Thank you and have a good night.